On today's episode of Success Trails Podcast, I welcome Gladys Shanstra. She is the president, creative director, and senior designer for Jury Design. Gladys' impressive resume has been built throughout her time working alongside many of the industry's leading Midwest showrooms and designs firms. This episode, we dive into what it's like for working for a business, eventually coming back to that business and taking over that business. She gives us tons of value. You're going to love this episode. But before we get to it, if you're a small business owner looking to stand out amongst the competition, check out my new course, Superhero Service, Super Profits, which is all about helping you become the Ritz-Carlton of your industry when it comes to customer service. Check the show notes to book a call for me to help dive in and really elevate your customer service. But for now, let's get to our episode, Gladys Shanstro. Gladys, thanks for coming on the Success Trails podcast. Thanks for having me, Hank. So Gladys, those who aren't familiar with yourself and your business, just kind of give us a quick uh, rundown of how you got here today. So actually, before interior design, I was an aerospace and mechanical engineering major. So with all that technical stuff, I decided I needed more color in my life and went into interior design school. While there, second semester, I started uh, working as a receptionist here at Drury Design, worked my way through as an intern, assistant designer, and then senior designer for 10 years, and then started my own company. After nine years, uh, I bought Drury Design in November 2021. And so when you look back at the journey you've had and kind of where you are now, what did you take away from kind of moving up the ladder to, you know, owning and running uh, the operation? What really did you say, I'm glad I kind of had to do that, right? Because it's helped me now today. It's interesting because people ask me that, well, did you know you were going to do that? No, I didn't know that when I was the receptionist. It crossed my mind about, oh, would I want to be an owner as a senior designer? You start to think about where you're taking your career. Um, But for me, it was almost like poetic. (laughs) Coming back, it was like a homecoming, seeing all the different faces that were still here after so many years. So that was really cool and comforting and coming back to a team of people that I had known with the different experiences of the past decade and bringing that knowledge to the company and being entrusted. I feel like I'm a steward of the company that has this amazing legacy from the previous founder founder and owner, Gail Drury. And so, you know, as you take the leadership role, what changes or kind of, is there anything where I want to take it this direction or I want to bring new life or new ideas, anything kind of particular that now in that leadership role that you kind of want to push forward with? I do. I am very respectful um, of the past and the foundation that was laid before me. And I talked about it like passing a baton. Those gifts that Gail had allowed her to create uh, something from ground up, which is very difficult to do. I believe my gifts can create that team and spring forward and grow it even further, whether it's expanding in our own market here or in different areas or capabilities and doing more services and products. Um, There's a lot that we can add, and that's exciting. You know, we talked about before recording how important it is to have relationships and uh, interact with your team, the people side of business. Can you elaborate a little more on that, like why that's important to you and why you think for us as leaders, it's really important to focus and to care about your team? 
I believe a company is only as good as its people. Yes. Should we have say that again, <laughs> right? You should repeat it. You know, you hate to sit there and say people people are people, you know, but they say they're your biggest resources. However you want to say it, they really are the company. Yes, you need a leader. Yes, that has a huge impact. And as an individual, it probably is one of the bigger roles that you play. But we ha- we leaders have to understand that we're shepherding the growth, not just their, you know, somebody once told me there's four needs of an employee. You know, it's easy enough to do the physical. Do you provide a safe place? Do they have a place to work? Do they have all the things they need? Yes. Mental. Yes. They're, they've got all the training that they're needing. Um, you know, and, and it's the fourth one. I believe he called it spiritual. And it's not necessarily religion. It's about the person's growth as a career path, as an individual. And that's kind of more intangible, but I think it's a driver of why people stay in a company or whether they choose to leave because it's time to move on and learn something new when they're stagnant. So it's important to remember that that it's a reciprocal relationship that we give to each other, even though it might be an employee-employer relationship. Is there any attribute, I mean, I know there's a bunch of them, but anyone in particular that when you look to bring someone on your team or someone that has to be part of, of your team that you're like, this is non-negotiable. This has to be an attribute that they possess. Absolutely. Growth mindset. It is the biggest differentiator because you can sit there and say they're a team player, but someone who has a growth mindset is teachable, is curious, is going to learn, and is going to adapt and is going to be able to work with others. You feel like that's hard to find? It's hard to draw out of people. I think that's more of so, yes, is it hard to find? Maybe not easy to find. <laughs> what, you know, looking across, you know, your span now, even prior to owning the business and now, is there any lesson that really sticks out to you? Like, I just didn't expect this when I got into this position. And, okay, it showed. I, I just didn't, I, I thought I was prepared, but I didn't expect X. What would that X be for you? I keep going back to the relationship part of the business. And I would say in the past three or four years in looking towards this position, I kept thinking I need to have more administrative skills, you know, more business classes, prepare for this. And after two weeks into the job, I realized, gosh, you know, a lot of this is psychology and understanding people. And which we're not taught, right? It's it's how do you learn that stuff? I have to say it's it's personal experience, and I'm grateful because I didn't understand some of the things that was happening in the last three or four years, and I was just thinking, gosh, this, this kind of stinks. You know, I don't want to deal with that. But I look back, and I'm grateful because after two weeks, it was kind of like, oh. That was the preparation that I did not understand at the time, and it was frustrating, but I used every bit of it coming in. And that's, how do you train for that? There's no class. There's no lesson learned. It's life. There really is no uh, entrepreneurial manual, is there? There's books, but not really like a manual how how to get through it, right? Experience, learning from others, talking to people, yeah. Which is why these conversations are important, right? So speaking of that, what mentors have you had 
in your career and like what are some key things that they've taught you that you feel like you carry on today? Sure. I often talk about Doug Waxler who owned Glen Ellen Homes and set some high standards and expectations of those he worked with. He built some great homes and projects that were amazing, clients that were great, right? And one of the things that happened is he questioned a specification, I think, for an appliance of why it was there, because he wanted to do something different. And I defended it thinking, well, we always honor the spec sheets because you want the warranties. Long story short, he kept asking why, 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 and the company couldn't really answer, couldn't give a good answer. And the real answer is it's an outdated rule. It's unnecessary. So that was a light bulb moment for me to say, wow, you know, here we are following this. I wouldn't have questioned it, but it was really a stupid rule that shouldn't even be there. So that's something even today kind of is in the back of your mind? Yes. Every time I look at some things, I'm like, I wonder if that's really a suggestion or can I, can I do something different? But it was a fight. It was like two, three weeks of asking the company to get all the way to the VP of the company. And he basically said, sorry, we can't justify that. And it's not so many words, but... And there are other mentors, too. So that was, in particular, this business. But I've had some in my life as well who were 20, 30, 40 years older than me and just shared their lives and their experiences. And some of the bold things they did, I really admired. How do you uh, grow yourself as as a leader? Are you in groups? Do you read a lot of books? How do you better yourself to push the company forward? Sure. I'm part of a group uh, of small business owners and CEOs called Vistage. Uh, that's been a huge part. It's I love the accountability. We process issues. Um, certain. It might not necessarily be my particular business, but I can relate to whatever that issue is. And we all ask questions and everybody has suggestions for that particular person. And each and every time we process, I learn something new. And the great part of it is there's so much more problem solving with diversity. I think the statistic is if you get a room with all different ages, all different professions, it's something like 70 to 90% more effective with coming up with solutions than if you got a bunch of the same profession, same age. And Probably because just different mindsets, right? Viewpoints. And so I look at it the same way. We don't have competing businesses, obviously, but I sit in that room and I know there's a lawyer, there's a banker, <laughs> there's a builder, uh, there's a healthcare worker. I mean, there's so many things, and they're all coming in with their different perspectives, trying to help you solve that problem. So that's one. And is know, that a physical group, or is that an online? Or it's a physical group. We meet once a month, and individually, we have a one-to-one coaching session with our chair. And you got to say to any small business owner listening, right? Like, don't forget to invest in yourself, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, obviously there's also different ways we listen to speakers. We bring in, you know, obviously books and different things like that. But it's the accountability. When you say, hey, this is what I'm going to do, you process an issue, you better bet they'll ask you what you did next month. Nobody wants to walk in there and they uh, didn't do anything. <laughs> so it's good. So you're talking about other businesses. And I think that is so important to look outside your industry. Has there any ever been a time where maybe something from an outside industry, whether in your group or you just happen to be um, a customer yourself somewhere and you go, you know what, that is brilliant. I want to use that within my business. Has something like that ever happened? I would say so. I'm thinking of something recent. 
I think it was this group when we had a speaker who dealt with probably Fortune 500 companies. But one of the first things he did taking over a struggling company was to give a bonus. He said, I had extra money, but I didn't know these people. So he basically said, you could only do this once, only effective once. But he gave X amount to each employee and said, the caveat is you don't get to keep it, but you get to decide who you give it to in $100 increments, but you have to write a paragraph justifying why you're giving it to this person. I'm thinking, So somebody else on the team, huh? Yes. Interesting. And what was kind of his thing about this, just to kind of see like where the money went? It's a lesson learned. And like you said, you can only work once because then the next time no one's going to ever speak up because it becomes a popularity contest. Nobody wants to rattle the cages. But it's interesting that 34%, I believe, got no money. So out of maybe, I think, believe it was a thousand employees. So I thought that was interesting. And I thought, hey, maybe I do this not necessarily to see who gives what, but it's just a fun exercise. You know, let's give everybody under bucks and say, hey, give out 25 each and give a paragraph and just to see. But, you know, there's always different consequences. So before you do that, you got to think things through. But that, it made me think about different ways of challenging the norm. And what did he tell us? He said... Change should always be swift, like surgery. Progress is slow, like healing. And it really stuck with me because as I transitioned in this position going, I want to keep it stable. The message is, you know, nothing's changed in a sense. But I thought change is good. If it is good, then you should make the change immediately. But wait and be patient for the progress because we are slow to change. Yeah, a lot of us just lack that keyword, that patience for it, right? We Mm. want everything now. (laughs) We want the success. We want the money. We want the more customers. I'm surprised our customers want things fast too as well. Uh, How do you work with a higher end clientele? I don't want to say a more demanding clientele, but generally people who have nice things and want nice things are going to be a little more demanding. What do you say to those listening who also work with that type clientele? Like, How do you, I'll say deal, but work with a demanding demographic? Be thorough, pay attention to the details, ask good questions like anything else, and be straightforward. Every person wants to be spoken to directly, just give it to me straight. It's the same way. But they do respect knowledge and somebody with expertise. So know your know your business. Present it in such a way that's clear and concise and be confident in it. Not conceited, but confident. Uh, they can see that. And they would want to work with somebody who is an expert. And how do you feel like you guys differentiate yourself? Uh, is there anything like you like to hang your hat on from a business? I like the variety that we have. Uh, just this past week, we're talking about each company, you know, designers, we have a look. And we're like, yeah, so-and-so has a look. So-and-so, yeah, there is a look. And I'm thinking, what does Drury Designs look do we have a look? I asked my marketing person, oh, you have a look, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I'm thinking, yes, there's a certain level of quality, but the look is very, very varied because we have several different designers. And that's a good thing because every client's different. A good designer can do different styles of design. And I think that's a strength of ours instead of, hey, are we distinguishable? I'm sure your business is no different than any other business is competitive, right? It's a competitive field. 
how do you guys grow? Is it a lot of referrals, which tends to be the lifeblood of most small businesses? Is it heavy marketing? Is it a balance? I mean, how do you guys get growth? For a long time, I would say very heavy referrals, and it still is. I think that's the mark of good service. And you certainly want to work with a good client's friends, right, and connections and families. In recent, I would say in the last decade or so, I think between social media and all the digital marketing, you know, things are changing. And so you have to capitalize on all the different tools that we have. So I would say we're much more diversified, but still heavily referrals. It, it always just seems like if you can't get referrals right, it's going to be a tough sled for you as a small business. I mean, any business, but particular small business. Have you developed any, call them success habits, habits that maybe somebody else could borrow that you feel has helped you as an individual in a leadership role? Take care of yourself. <laughs> um, I don't like to exercise, but I've found... A place. I'm giving her a look right now. <laughs> um, I actually found Orange Theory about two years ago. And oh, don't I, mention that word. <laughs> Do not mention that uh, word. I tell you, what, I don't like waking up at 4.15 in the morning, but I sure feel really good at 6.15 in the morning when I'm done. I just put in some practices that work for you. Um, I don't actually enjoy exercising, but I do it for the results and I'm a much better, my mood is better. I mean, just that physical that really has nothing to do with interior design or work, but is the critical part of my day. Just know what is it that you're not willing to give up or can't give up in order to be better at who you are and what your job is. So I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it for the rest of everybody else around me. And I know we talked about earlier about attacking kind of maybe the worst thing of the day first. You want to kind of expand on that when we talk about eating the frog and yeah, not the that, fitness right? chain right <laughs> no attacking you know the most difficult item on your list for that day um, and don't get me wrong I don't always do this and practice it and but I know we all joke about it when there's that list that should be number one and it just keeps falling down number two number three because I keep ignoring it and I do other things um, but as a general whole it makes sense it, it psychologically frees you up to do things that you want to do. Think about like a tough email or conversation. It should take you five minutes. Doesn't it take you like an hour to craft it because it's just hard and you keep redoing it? I mean, get it out of the way and then the you rest You almost have of to it. talk yourself into it, right? Yeah, that's just how it is. So, you know, as we continue on with the conversation, what, uh, I want to say, what does a normal day look like? Because we know small business owners, we don't have such a thing, but... What is a kind of day in the life of for you? Is it most of your day spent with your team? Is it sales end of things, marketing, a little bit? I like where's kind of majority of your time spent these days? So definitely interacting with the team, talking about what's going on for the day, for the week, different meetings, client interactions, meetings. And also, if I'm lucky, some quiet design time at my desk. <laughs> Is there anything, you know, we know not everything's all sunshine, right? Is there any part of entrepreneurship that you really just uh, eats away at you or is tough for you? I think the administrative side. Yeah, none of us like that. I think I hate the accounting part. 
sorry for the accountants, <laughs> which is why you guys have jobs. I've learned to be okay with the things that I'm not best at or good at and be thankful when I can afford to give that responsibility to someone else. It used to be my mindset was, gosh, you know, attack it, you know, be be better at it, get better, get better, get better. And what I found is if I spent 90% of my energy on my strengths, I get a lot further than just trying to improve my weaknesses. Oh, that's be great advice right it. there. Yeah, be aware of it. You have to be aware. But at the same time, like you could spend all your energy trying to improve your weaknesses and you might get 10% there. I'm like, that doesn't, that's not good math. And so opposite would be, what? what's your favorite thing in kind of running the show and being the head honcho, if you will? Well, on the people side, I love watching someone grow, develop, and, you know, excel. And just anybody, if you watch anyone talented and they're doing what they love, it's a beautiful thing. They, they do it well. They're excited. They're happy. And if I can be part of that or to help somebody find that or figure it out, that gets me just excited and, and fired up. And I didn't realize that as much until I got to this position that that's something I'd love to do. Oh, I think that's uh, great. And I mean, you're kind of a perfect example of that, right? See somebody start from one point and then end up at the highest point uh, within a business. So I'm sure, yeah, you love to see that. So as we're kind of winding down a little bit here, what would be two big pieces of advice that you would love to leave the listeners with? It could reiterate something we've talked about, something fresh. What would you like to leave the listeners of fellow small business owners and maybe you want to be business owners? Well, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. So I suppose being vulnerable, being directly related to strength and courage, which doesn't seem intuitive, is is a huge thing. So work on being honest with yourself and be vulnerable. And some of the strongest people I know have to go through that process in order to get to the other side and get in the ring, right? Be a participant, live your life. And sometimes you're going to fall flat. And she said, the view's kind of different on your back looking up, but guess what? It'll change soon. And everybody else is on the sidelines and throwing, you know, whatever, popcorn and making this up, <laughs> ad-libbing. But, you know, it's easy to throw insults and throw trash down into the ring versus being in the ring and being a part and doing and participating. Don't you think, too, you get more respect from your team when they see you vulnerable and not just like, oh, she's perfect, he's perfect, oh, they do everything right, like, oh, look, they make mistakes, or they said, hey, you know, that's on me, or look at, yep, you know, versus the owner that's always trying to be perfect or put this image that they don't do anything wrong, or would you agree? I do. It's interesting. It might be a generational response in how you know, as a whole society is shifting a little bit because I notice we all respond positively to someone being vulnerable and sharing. Uh, sometimes it gets uncomfortable for others. Sometimes it produces um, connection and it takes down barriers overall. Absolutely. And I think you just have to give others some time because they'll come back. Others respond right away. Others are like, mm, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. But I notice changes later on. They don't talk about it, but then they change. And I'm like, well, that was cool. Hey, they're coming up with solutions, right? And contributing versus, you know, complaining. Well, Gladys, this has been awesome. You've given us some great insight. Uh, anyone listening uh, who would like to connect with you or maybe 
learn more about your business for their own needs, uh, tell everybody where they can find you or your business. Absolutely. Uh, email is great. Gladys, G-L-A-D-Y-S at D-R-U-R-Y designs with an S dot com. Or my direct line is 630-446-7647. And what's the website for you guys? It's DreeDesigns.com. Awesome. Well, Glass, thanks again for jumping on the podcast here for the interview. Wish you guys nothing but success. And thanks for giving us uh, some insights into your business. Thank you, Hank. I appreciate it. So thank you for listening to the Success Trails podcast. And please, please, please share this podcast with family, friends, coworkers, anybody that you think wants to excel in life, even if they're not a business owner. If they are a business owner or an entrepreneur or maybe want to be a business owner, then even more so. And also, if you could, please subscribe to the Success Trails podcast. Have a great day. Have a great day.